0: Welcome to Herb W. Morgan's Slaying Bulls and Bears, a podcast about economics, markets, investing, politics, and profit. Every Monday, in less than 20 minutes, Wall Street portfolio manager Herb W. Morgan distills the complex and complicated into the simple and sensical. Here's Herb now. Good morning. It's Monday, January 3rd, 2023. Happy New Year, everybody. I'm Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer here at Efficient Market Advisors. We are an ETF strategist firm. Good morning, everybody. It's, Monday, it's Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023. I'm Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer at Efficient Market Advisors. As a reminder, you can follow me intro week as well at ETF underscore strategist uh, on Twitter or just Herb Morgan on LinkedIn.
1: This presentation
0: is available to you uh, by subscription via email, comes with uh, graphs and charts and slides and visuals, or it's available as an audio podcast on any of the different podcast formats. If you have a different format and you'd like to hear it, let us know. We'll make sure to get it posted there as well the presentation you're about to see and or hear has been prepared by me for use with you whether you are a financial advisor or an individual investor regardless you're expected to make your own investment decisions nothing contained in this presentation should be treated as investment advice there are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities the information contained herein is for informational purposes only nothing contained herein shall constitute tax advice we recommend you consult your own tax advisor. Well, the best thing I can say about 2022 is it's over. From an investment perspective, equities were in the red, as you can see across the board. S and P 500 down about looks like 18% for the final number for the year. Mid cap and small cap stocks did better, and for the last few years, you know, the leadership has been big cap, and big cap is all about Tech. Big cap tech failed to lead. Uh, Big cap tech had to be discounted as interest rates rose, and it was. And you actually had better performance in small and mid-cap stocks. International markets down also. Hardest hit were emerging markets. The biggest component to emerging markets, of course, is China. Uh, Looks like they eked out a loss of not quite 20% last year. But in an unusual move, typically, when you have a slowdown and recession coming, markets anticipate Federal Reserve rate cuts. As such, they bid up bonds. And normally, when you have down years for stocks, you might get a positive year for bonds as interest rates decline. But in this case, the, the market was all about the Federal Reserve last year fighting inflation, fighting inflation by raising short-term interest rates, And by decreasing money in circulation, by letting the Fed's balance sheet run off, the balance sheet got uh, very large during the COVID crisis. As such, it was an unusually bad year where both stocks and bonds produced negative returns. It's not unexpected, though. It's happened before. It will happen again. It's part of the investing process. We look to years like this as opportunities for accumulation, we don't look for positive returns per se uh, but in future years we hope that markets rebound as they have in the past and they deliver us those positive returns as we accumulate assets and shares while markets are lower buy low sell high is what they taught me back in school okay we've got a couple of weeks worth of economic data to get to you thank you for letting me have last week off we enjoyed some family time let's start with the housing december housing sentiment the National Association of Builders remains significantly in negative territory at 31. Uh, we're almost getting down to levels not seen since the housing crisis. Um, 12 straight months of decline, uh, lowest level since 2012, not quite, as I said, but getting close to the levels of the 08 financial crisis. Existing home sales for the month of November dropped 7.7%. So along with home builders being negative, um, people who are trying to sell their homes are having a tough go of it. Uh, They're down about 35% on a volume basis year over year. The longest streak of monthly declines in this series going back to 1999, so that's even before um, the housing crisis. It's the second lowest pace of sales since 2010. So homes are definitely uh, not selling like they were just a year ago. New home sales, though, kind of surprised and rose, uh, after an 8.2% gain in October. Now, this is November. My expectations is that for December, they slowed once again. We had third quarter revised GDP it was revised from 2.9. It was actually revised higher to 3.2%. You can see that blue bar here over on the right. Why? Personal consumption continue to rise. Um, It's one of the things about our economy. We're a consumer-driven economy, far more than we ever were in our history. We used to have a bigger component of our economy dedicated to manufacturing. Today, not so much. We are a consumer economy. Who are consumers? Consumers are people with jobs, and employment remains very, very high and very, very strong, despite the fact that the Fed is taking steps to slow down the economy so with personal consumption revised higher and to a surprise many business investment which is capital expenditures was revised up we actually had a strong third quarter gdp number we'll see what happens with fourth quarter but right now fourth quarter is tracking pretty strong as well personal income and spending for the month of november rose four-tenths of a percent and seven-tenths of a percent, uh, excuse me, four-tenths of a percent and one-tenth of a percent, respectively. So those are fine numbers. But then we get into the number that matters most. The reason it matters the most is because the Federal Reserve is what matters most, and it looks at inflation. And its preferred inflation gauge is personal consumption expenditures, or PCE, Uh, inflation is very similar to CPI. In November, uh, the PCE price index was up a tenth of a percent, so that's much better than what we saw in October and for most of the last year. And the year-over-year gain in PCE, you can see here is now at 5.5%, down from a high of 7% just a few months ago. But what matters most is that thing that backs out food and energy costs because they're so volatile and that is core PCE. It's been stubborn around this 5% level, but it did drop to 47 for the month of November. Before the Fed's willing to let up on the brake pedal, which is where they are today, they're on the brake pedal, before they're willing to let up on that brake pressure, they're going to need to see a more definitive and more pronounced drop in core PCE, similar to the steepness of the drop in regular PCE. I do think that's coming. By the way, let's move on. We had uh, the Conference Board report consumer confidence in the month of December it is actually up a little bit. That was a surprise to the market. It rose from one hundred one point four to one hundred eight point three, so that was a positive, mostly probably because of uh, reduced inflationary pressures, specifically gasoline prices around the country uh, continuing to decline. University of Michigan also puts out a consumer sentiment number, and that rose as well, 56.8 up to, from 56.8 up to 59.7. But as you can see, that number on an absolute basis is still relatively low compared to the 100 readings we had prior to COVID. So we're still not back to that level of confidence, optimism, that we had prior to the COVID-related economic um, shutdowns. Uh, More data last week on, uh, or it was prior actually, on um, residential real real estate last week, S&P Case-Shiller Home Price Index declined half a percent, less than expected, we are expecting a 1.1% decline, and the year-over-year is now a positive 8.64%. So even though we've seen real estate, residential real estate continue to drop, Um, It's still, uh, because it had this unsustainable move higher um, during the prior year, so we're still up, home prices are still up 8% on a year over year basis. So what do we see, what do I see for this year? Um, Well, it all comes down to earnings and the behavior of the Federal Reserve, which all comes down to the behavior of inflation. And so what we're seeing is we're seeing a market through the Fed futures market that's predicting that the Fed is pretty much done Um, other than a 25 basis point hike on February 1st, another 25 basis point hike on the March 22nd meeting. But the Fed is saying the market doesn't have it right, that people are betting incorrectly, and that the Fed is going to continue to raise interest rates beyond uh, a restrictive level to continue to hit hard on inflation. And the Fed says, look, the terminal rate is going to be above 5%, and even if the economy slows, we're going to be so diligent on inflation, we're not going to take our foot off the brake. Uh, even if the economy slows down significantly, we're not going to take our foot off the brake, at least until the end of 2023. Now, I don't believe the Fed necessarily means that. One of the Fed's jobs is, is, in their mind, is to reduce inflation expectations because if inflation expectations remain elevated, they become anchored in an elevated position. And that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If we believe there will be higher inflation, we might get higher inflation. So the Fed, part of its job is to continue to try to convince the markets and people Um, that inflation is not anchored at this high level. So of course, it's going to say what it's saying. The, The people that go out and speak to the press and speak to the economic clubs and so forth, all the regional presidents are going to continue to pound that message. It doesn't mean they're going to stick to that. But I do think if data continues to favor deceleration in consumer prices and a deceleration in economic activity, then the Fed will not have the need to maintain that higher. And I think at this point, the market is probably more close to being accurate. So don't listen to what the Fed says. Watch what they do. Okay, moving on to uh, the stock market. Here is a graph of the S&P 500. As you can see from a technical perspective the blue line the uh, 50-day moving average you can see is above the price and then the 200 is above that so when you have the price below the 50 and the 50 below the 200 that's a downward trend there's really kind of no doubt about it the question becomes is this low that we got here the sort of double bottom ish low that we got in around october early october is that the bottom Or if you look at this trend here, we have a high and then a lower high and then a lower high and then a lower high. And you can see a lower lows, too. Or does that trend just continue? And I think a lot of that has to do with how earnings come out, coupled with how inflation delivers over the next 60 to 90 days. And that, I think, will determine whether or not this is that bottom. Certainly, I do think it's possible that we test that bottom. And I don't think it's wise for for long-term, non-levered investors to try to to trade these kind of things. If you're running a hedge fund with leverage, you like to gamble and speculate, by all means. But for our safe money, for our long-term money, trying to trade around what I just said doesn't really make a lot of sense. The best thing for investors to do is utilize bear markets and accumulate shares and hope for long-term appreciation, which the stock market has consistently delivered to those that are patient. So putting all the cards on the table here, uh, January and February, I'm not convinced they're going to be the greatest of years. Um, history has not been kind to Januaries and Februarys in the year following a 10% or more drop. This little graph is courtesy of um, Eric Johnston here at Cantor Fitzgerald, thank you Eric. You can see here uh, years when we had, uh, the prior year was bad. What happened the following year? Well, you can see here the average is minus 3%. There's been a minus nine, a minus six, a minus almost 20, there's been a positive. So is this end of world, end of days? No, not really. But I do think that through January and February, um, things could get rough. They could not get rough if inflation continues to decelerate and or earnings uh, exceed expectations. And that remains entirely possible that earnings um, are not as bad as feared uh, by most of the street. And we'll start getting earnings reports here in about a week, today being January uh, 3rd. The other thing that is on our side as patient long-term investors is that the S&P 500 multiple has now come down considerably? We were at you know 23, 24 times uh, uh, forward estimates when COVID came upon us, or when the market tanked after COVID came upon us, and you can see we've been coming down ever since. But at below 17 on forward earnings estimates, if those earnings estimates are true, or if these earnings estimates exceed expectations, there's your upside value for stocks. If inflation comes down, the discounting mechanism, the risk-free rate of return goes down and we're back um, to the races. So what is the, what is the current earnings estimate for the S and P 500? It's about $227 a share. That's kind of flat compared to uh, 2022. It looks like it's going to come in at 222. Now we still have the fourth quarter to report. But you can see here, every time there's a new quarter, you have a big spike up in the earnings estimate because a quarter rolls off and a quarter rolls on. So this is going to roll off Q3 of 22 and roll in Q3 of of 23, if that makes sense. Earnings estimates are for 227. We could come in above that, below that. We're going to see how this, this evolves over the year. Last year, this thing started evolving higher and then when the fed started raising rates and inflation started to hit into profits the earnings estimates continued to um go lower lots of economic data this week no big earnings news until the following week but uh, this week we've got starting today tuesday s&p global's us manufacturing pmi that's contraction so that's deflationary disinflationary i should say and then on tomorrow wednesday we've got the ism number Below 50, contraction, disinflationary. Job openings expected to be at 10 million. That's strong positive for the economy, not disinflationary. Uh, Fed minute, minutes from December 14th, I think important. Auto sales. Then we get the two big jobs reports: the ADP report at 145,000, and then Friday the Bureau of Labor Statistics report at 200,000. And I remember, if the economy is continuing to add jobs, this does give the Fed a, uh, the ability to say, hey, we're going to continue to work on this uh, inflation problem. As long as employment's strong, we're going to continue to work on it, and we can. Trade deficit on uh, Thursday, services for S&P Global on Thursday, and then ISM on Friday. We have this divergence. We've talked about this in prior weeks. the U.S. services from s p, they think we're in contraction, where um, ISM thinks we're in expansion. So those two have been conflicting for a couple of months. We'll see if they continue to do that. That is what the, t- the uh, consensus is. Weekly jobs claims still very low, again, gives Fed that ability to continue to poop to um, step on that break hard. Okay, thanks everybody uh, for tuning in. We'll be back to you again in one week. Thank you for listening to Slaying Bulls and Bears. If you'd like to download the slides for this week's podcast, go to www.efficient-portfolios.com and join our mailing list. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate us online, and share with a friend if you found this helpful. See you next week.